I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Chargers Lately. I am your host, Michael Peterson. And once again, I have my good friend, Gavino Borquez here, the managing editor for Chargers Wire, joining me to talk a couple different things today. We're going to go over bi-week awards, which are essentially, you know, little tidbits we'll give to players that we think, you know, have been the best so far, maybe offensively, offensively, defensively, um, maybe our most disappointing picks, uh, guys that have surprised us. Just give out, you know, a couple of those accolades, um, have some fun there. Then we're going to go ahead and preview this week's Jaguars game. Uh, this is potentially a get right game for the Chargers and you know, they, they need it in a bad way, as you all know. And then we're going to probably top it off with some draft prospects, specifically from the Big Ten with their season kicking off. So that means guys from Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa. We obviously have a couple Hawkeyes, which I'm a little biased with on the roster right now. So that is our show. But I'm going ahead and introduce uh, Gavino. How's it going? Pretty good, man. As always, that's what we like to hear. Um, but let's just kind of go straight into this um, bi-week awards. Now, um, these are kind of loose. I mean, nothing really set in stone, but I thought it'd be cool to each of us give a ba- basically the best offensive player that we think uh, has performed through the first six weeks, well, five games in six weeks, um, and then most disappointing offensively and defensively. And then it can be a player, it can be a position group, but we'll go off with a uh, our most surprising, I guess, aspect of the team so far. Um, And this is one, we'll just start off with best offensive player through the first uh, five games. And I don't know how this player is not 
Justin Herberts. Now, um, you could argue this could have been Austin Eckler had he uh, continued uh, Keenan Allen if he didn't get hurt in, in the Saints game. But uh, one guy who, despite, you know, the team not playing well around him, um, has been Justin Herbert. He's been electric. He's been almost a godsend in, in that despite being one in four, I mean, he's playing like a top quarterback in the entire NFL, not just a top rookie quarterback. And, and I don't know how he's not the runaway favorite right now for offensive rookie of the year. I, I just don't know. He, he threw four touchdowns against the saints on Monday night football became the first rookie to ever do that uh, joined Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Dan Marino as the only player under the age of 23 years old to also throw four touchdowns on Monday night. Uh, he had three touchdowns against the Buccaneers who have one of the better defenses in the NFL the week prior. I mean, his numbers stand for themselves, right? He's one of the best against pressure. He's one of the best on third downs. And those are things you don't see from a rookie quarterback. Nonetheless, you know, a guy who many didn't think would was an elite quarterback prospect coming in. I mean, going in, in, into this past draft, it was Burrow and Tua. And then there was a little bit of a drop to Herbert and Jordan Love. But Herbert's arguably been the best of the bunch. So for me, I think he's been the best offensive player through the first five weeks. Um, I'd be surprised if, if it wasn't the same for you. Yeah, no, it's no different. Um, <clears throat> of what he's done, it's uh, it's been incredible to say the least. Um, you know, again, like I talked about in the other show, I was a big fan of Herbert coming out of college. I wrote an article saying why he would be the, the most ideal pick for this team, but I didn't think that he would be this good, especially early on in his career, and it's definitely exciting. Um He's shown glimpses of what he did in college with his big arm and his athletic ability, but he's made so much improvements in terms of his eye discipline, um, going through his progressions of just how well he does under pressure. It's all there. And the exciting thing is that it's only uh, this, like the best has yet to come for him. Um, and it seems like he's doing something new every single week. And um, it's incredible. I think Daniel Jeremiah dropped a, a video today kind of just going through like what makes him so special. And it's highlighting the stuff that he didn't do so well in college that he's done well, especially uh, this past Monday or last Monday against the Saints, where we kind of saw it all. The big arm, the athletic ability, um, just again, facing pressure and being able to to beat that. So it's been a lot of fun to watch him. And uh, I think it's given Chargers fans some, uh, some excitement despite being four and one. So, you know, how it would be previous years, um, it would be fresh off a of bye, one and four and just very little reason for optimism. But uh, this team is capable of winning games, especially with the next um, four or five games coming on. I think they can go on a run, especially with him under center. I'll tell you what, it's been kind of crazy week after week, again, four straight losses, but after each loss, looking at uh, power rankings from, you know, ESPN, Bleacher Report, wherever, and the Chargers haven't moved all that much. Like there's plenty of one in four teams under them. There's, I think, one or two two-win teams that are still under the Chargers. I think NFL Network has them at 18th, which is right in the middle of the league, and, and that's pretty insane, but I think that just speaks to what media and those professionals and other analysts think of the chargers in terms of like their them being better than their record shows right like this team hasn't played like a one and four team at least for the first you know two and a half three quarters um so that's something that despite four straight losses 
Chargers fans don't have to be super frustrated and, and depressed about how this season's going. Yes, the record's their record. One and four is still one and four. Um, but I don't know how you just simply hang your hat on this team being apparently bad as their record shows. I just don't think that's the case. Uh, moving on, and I want you to answer this one first, going over to the defensive side of the ball. Who do you think has been the best defender for the Chargers so far? I think it's Joey Bosa, um, but I'm going to throw in Uchenna Nwosu. I think just filling in for Melvin Ingram and even – then before filling in for Melvin Ingram, he's definitely showing that he wants to be the, the starting um, Leo for the long run. Um, Cause with, with Melvin Ingram becoming a free agent after the season, they've got a decision to make, but he's been playing really well. I think he's got about 18 quarterback pressures, two sacks, and he's just doing a lot of good things against the run as well. Um, especially with this team and defensive line specifically that has kind of been gashed up front a little bit. It seems like he's the one positive against the run. Um, you know, they're pretty stout before not saying that they're not, but again, um, he's making plays and it's evident, but Joey Bosa has probably been the most impactful and he's been doing this while having like three different injuries as well. Um, so I would definitely say Bosa. Is to become a aye, aye, aye. I don't know where that's coming from. I apologize. Are you going to be able to delete that, man? <laughs> All right. May have to cut that one out. Are you going to be able to cut that out? Yeah, I'll be able to cut it out. If not, I'll just tell people that something screwed up. It was literally like one of the many tabs I have open just started screaming at us. So I do apologize uh, for you guys listening, whether or not I cut that out. I'll probably have to, but I'll have to, you know, talk about what's going on here. So uh, not a big deal. We'll just carry on. You were saying? The edge defenders. So Joey Bosa and Uchenna Nwosu. This would have probably been Melvin Ingram had he not been hurt. But um, I would probably give the advantage to Joey Bosa, just the impact that he's made. Up front, again, he's playing like he got paid the money that he did. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that you brought someone else up other than Joey Bosa because while it seems like it's been a one-man show, it honestly hasn't. And and I knew Nwosu had at least one sack. It's good to see that he has two. Uh, he had one against the Bengals, one against uh, the Saints in their last game. Um, pair of tackles for loss. Uh, two pass deflections, pass breakups, which that's really another thing too. He did that in college as well. And he had a knack for knocking down passes. And I think we're really starting to see that this year. And we saw it last year as well, too. Again, once he gets his arm, uh, once he gets his arms up, um, there's a good chance the, the ball is going to be going to the ground. So that's another thing that um, hasn't been brought up that much is how well he's done. Um, not only at rushing the passer, but just defending the pass itself. Yeah, and that's I think that's another big positive in his corner uh, going forward with him potentially taking over the Leo after after this season. Melvin Ingram, as athletic and um, everything that we want to talk about him being, he it's not like he's used all that much in coverage, right? Like it's it's almost irresponsible to take Melvin Ingram away and potentially put him on, on you know a pass catcher somewhere, right? He's always going to be rushing the passer, but it looks like Chinnawosu. Ch gives them a little bit more versatility while he's maybe not the most pure of athletes, elite athletes like Ingram is if, if they can use Nuosu sometimes to, you know, fake blitz cover, you know, man spy, do something else. Like while they're still able to rush for somewhere else, you know, I think that's big for the defense, but uh, it's still tough to say anyone's been better than Joey Bosa, right? He has the trio of injuries. I think it's his, what is it? His tricep. I think he's got a knee and a shin issue or ankle or something like that. Like it, it's not good, man. And I think he said recently in one of our um, the latest pressers with the Chargers players that he has never felt so beat up at this point. And that's not 
really what you want to hear. But um, he, he said that he's uh, able to get much healthier. He was he was able to get uh, much healthier and recover over the bye week. So that sounds good. He knows he's not going to be 100% ever again, you know, especially this season. Um, but even when he's not 100%, he's still pretty good. And, and we saw that against the Saints where he played, I think, only 28 total snaps or something like that, came in mostly on third downs. And then towards the latter part of the game when they had a serious chance to win this thing, they had him in a little bit more. Um, he's been good against, you know, the run, just as effective as against the pass, which is huge for him, why I think he deserved his big payday. Um, he's not just a pure edge rusher. Like, he's one of the best at stopping the run. I think he was second on the team in tackles last season. And for a pass rush special, specialist to – you know, be that high in total tackles on your entire defense where this defense, honestly, your safeties and your linebackers are usually racking up tackles uh, for him to, to be that high, I think is a testament to his effort and just his ability to be in on every play, especially in and around the line of scrimmage. Um, going on to our next one. So this is going to be most disappointing uh, for the offensive side of the ball. And for me, I couldn't just decide one specific player. I couldn't pick one. I don't know how this isn't the majority, if not all of the offensive line. And, and I'm talking the five starters, the past couple games, I'm talking Turner and Bulaga included. And, and I'll, and I'll, I'll put this out there. Bulaga has been good, if not great when he's been on the field, uh, according to like ESPN's pass block, run block, win rates, he's, he's been up there with the best. Um, he's been doing his job, but he hasn't been available. And that's such a tough look for the chargers who, who needed offensive line help, but, needed offensive line help to come in and play, right? Like they didn't sign Turner and sign Bulaga for them to miss game after game after game. And, and I knew they weren't getting healthy starters were like, they were probably going to play if, you know, an entire season chances wise, like I knew they were going to probably miss a few games, but it's getting a little crazy now. And I think one of the biggest things is, they kind of came out of nowhere. Like, it's not like we got a report that said, Hey, he, you know, he sprained this, he broke that, whatever. It was just, you know, he was sore. He's having, you know, some soreness, whatever. Like these minor things that are being downplayed are all of a sudden turning into them missing a month of games. I don't know how that happens. Trey Turner went from being a for sure thing to start against the Panthers. I think it was, or the, I think it was the Panthers. And all of a sudden he hasn't played the last three games, you know, it's just been rough. And then you look at the guys who have been starting. Sam Tevy's doing better than he has in previous years. But again, how much are you really saying when you give him that compliment, right? Forrest Lamp was their best offensive lineman the first couple of weeks, has been not too great since. Dan Feeney has continued to unfortunately be Dan Feeney. And then in the place of Turner and Bulaga, you've got Ryan Groy and a little bit of Tyree St. Louis thrown in. And then you've got Trey Pipkins at right tackle. I think the last two games, if you looked at PFFs, uh, worst offensive grades for the Chargers offensively. I think out of the last two games, nine of their bottom 10 between those two games have been offensive linemen. It has been absolutely horrendous. And I know those overall grades can mean a lot of different things, take them with a grain of salt. But I think it's it's a decent baseline to show you kind of how someone is performing. Um, and, and it's been rough for that offensive line. As a unit, they can't run the ball. There's no push up front. They struggle with any kind of power and finesse, like above average to elite pass rushers, give them fits across the board. It's been a really rough time. And I think maybe, you know, Lamp could be playing very well and we just don't see it because of how everyone else is playing around him. And maybe someone else along that offensive line wouldn't be too bad if, if they had a decent starting five. So overall injuries are, are kicking butt across that unit and, and the unit they have right now, the guys who are staying healthy, their current starting five, 
just aren't getting the job done. So for most disappointing, I don't know how it's not the offensive line. Yep, I would have to agree. And now we're kind of looking at a situation where the Chargers should have drafted um, an offensive lineman or two. They kind of were banking on Trey Turner and Brian Balaga to be the guys, but I knew that depth was going to still be worrisome even after acquiring those two. And we're kind of looking at a situation where, you know, they felt comfortable, which is paying off, of course, trading up to get uh, Kenneth Murray when, you know, they sacrificed their third rounder. In reality, if had they kept it, they could have drafted someone like Matt Hurt, who I liked, um, to kind of like fill in at right tackle. Um, he's seen like he's proven himself at left tackle for the Giants this past week. And even the fourth round, you know, you're wondering if they could have drafted someone like Ben Barch, who saw some playing time this past weekend for the Jaguars, and he played pretty well at right guard where they struggled, um, having Ryan Groy and Tyree St. Louis there. I think he might have been a better option, um, even as a backup to Trey Turner. And after acquiring him, that was like my ideal situation was, you know, if, the, if he didn't pan out at, uh, at tackle for like the Chargers, he could have just kicked inside. And I know that given his, uh, his skill set that he would have been able to do just fine as an interior offensive lineman. And it's only been one game, like, you know, only a few snaps, few snaps actually. And it looks like he's been doing well. Um, and this really just goes to show that uh, Telesco may have messed up a little bit by not drafting a single offensive lineman um, or acquiring uh, another one uh, to kind of serve as depth because they're, it's evident their, their depth is thin and uh, it's showing with those two missing because you can't go into the season thinking like they're going to be healthy, especially with how, um, how old Brian Balog is. It's, you got to know that there might be some injury concerns, especially his past. I know he stayed healthy. Trey Turner is not the oldest offensive lineman, but you just have to be prepared for that. And looking at that right guard depth prior to, or to going into the season, it wasn't good to begin with. And we kind of found that out um, just uh, moments into the season. So yeah, the offensive line is concerning, and it's definitely the most disappointing so far. Now, defensively, um, I'll start this one off. I have cornerback Casey Hayward, and this might come as a surprise to some of you guys who maybe look at box scores a little too much. Uh, and I guess I say that because – so he won AFC Defensive Player of the Week in their uh, win against the Bengals, and – People really looked at the box score and saw he had 12 tackles. I think he had a, a pass breakup or two or something like that. Um, but PFF had him as one of the lowest graded players from that entire game. And I went back. I got a buddy who used to work for PFF. I kind of talked with him a little bit about why, you know, there's varying degrees of how people think he played. And if you go back to the tape, guys, and, and look in that first game, he allowed a ton of catches. Uh, and they were easy catches. They were easy slants, little out routes. And I don't know, again, if that's a schematic thing. I understand it's a bend, but don't break defense. But these were going for first downs. They were, uh, there was one, it was a potential touchdown, but they overthrew John Ross. Um, he, it's, he was just letting up way too many easy completions. And then that sort of continued. He, he did kind of an okay job against the Chiefs, of course. Uh, Panthers was okay. And then you look at the Tampa Bucks game. And, and one of the biggest plays was this big, um, gain up the right sideline to Mike Evans. And, and on that play, and this is actually, I talked to coach Gus Bradley about this today on, on the chargers call, basically I asked like, what happened in that situation? If you guys remember, it was to Mike Evans. It was this huge hierarchy pass and Hayward like 
overran the ball and it was a really easy completion for Mike Evans to haul in for a big gain up the right sideline. And, and I'm sitting there going like, what happened essentially? Like he was just very soft coverage and he overran the football. Like he thought it was just going to soar over him. And like there was a foot of separation and it looked like Hayward was the receiver, right. With, with him trying to, you know, get an edge on, on said defensive back, Mike Evans. But uh, he, it's just not the Casey Hayward that we've come to expect. I think um, he's letting up too many easy uh, completions. There's no big pass breakups. He, he hasn't picked off a pass yet. Um, and the thing is they're throwing at Casey Hayward at an alarming rate. And I want to pull up this stat because it was, it's absolutely insane. So I believe last year they threw at him. What was it about? Um, God, I got to find these. I think, yes, here it is. So in 2018, he was targeted just 66 times in, in 16 games. He allowed 35 complete or completions for a 53% completion percentage um, and three touchdowns. Okay. In 2019, he was only targeted 48 times. He allowed 30 of those, which is again, a worse clip at 62 and a half percent for 350 yards and three more touchdowns. So far in 2020, he has been targeted 34 times through five games. So he is on pace to essentially uh, have 50% more targets on the year than he's ever had the last couple seasons, right? He's allowed 18 of those to be completed, which is 52.9%, same as 2018, uh, 227 yards, one touchdown. So he's on pace to allow more touchdowns than he has the past couple seasons. He's already, uh, he's probably going to blow out on pace to allow way more yards than he has the past couple of seasons. Like it's not a good year for Casey Hayward in terms of missed tackle percentage. He's missed 14.3% of his tackles out of 24 combined tackles. He's missed four of them as opposed to 8.6% last season and 4.2% the year before, for whatever reason, Casey Hayward just hasn't been the guy we've all expected him to be the last couple of seasons. And if you guys recall, Casey Hayward's not a, like an elite athlete. He's not super fast or anything like that. He's super uh, instinctual wins with, you know, his head and he, he knows where to be uh, essentially before his opponent does like, that's how he wins with his instincts. And, and when those instincts maybe just aren't there or his, his lack of athleticism is, you know, he's losing that at a faster rate. Now that he's over this, you know, he's over 30 years old. I think he's 31 now. Um, you know, that a cornerback like him doesn't show a ton of success post 30 without being a crazy athlete. So um, for right now, Casey Hayward's my most disappointing. Uh, if the chargers want to have any semblance of a decent defense going forward and, and they want to stop basically blowing these 17 point leads, Hayward's going to be one of those guys that is going to have to step up and kind of show that he still has it. Uh, this year and going forward. Yeah, I definitely agree with you because if you kind of got just go across the defense, starting with the defensive line, you mentioned Joey Bosa, Uchen Nwosu being um, probably the best, better defensive players. Linval Joseph has been good. Jerry Utillery has been up and down. Um, it seems like he um, slowed down ever since taking over as like the full-time starter. The linebackers, Kaiser White, um, he's making tackles, sure, liability and coverage. Um, Kenneth Murray, ascending linebacker. Denzel Perryman, he's playing probably one of his best seasons yet. Um, Michael Davis, he's doing better against the run, and he's made some solid plays. Sure, he's not the most perfect in coverage, but he's not bad. Um, 
Rayshon Jenkins, he's been solid coming downfield uh, or downhill, whether it's the blitzer or against the run. I'm sure he's had some lapses in coverage. And then Nasir Adderley, he had a pick, and he's practically a rookie. And that kind of just leaves out uh, Casey Hayward, who, just like you mentioned, all those numbers of the amount of times that he's been targeted, he's kind of he's basically close to or heading towards a career high in uh, receptions allowed, which that's pretty worrisome considering, you know, someone some viewed him as like the team's best, one of the better defensive players and he showed it, but for some reason this season just isn't his year. And, you know, he's, uh, he's 30 years old. So you know, some will bring up his age. Others will bring up the, uh, the coverages that they're throwing at him, just going from zone um, and man coverage. Um, but there's all these factors that go into it, but regardless, he's being targeted. He's allowing big catches and that's just not the case of Hayward that we have uh, known um, since picking him up. Yeah, man, it's, it's rough because he's been a PFF darling. He's been a darling to any metric of cornerback success. Uh, he's just gotten the job done. And, you know, he had a, a career high seven interceptions, you know, several years ago, followed that up with two interceptions. Then he went a year without any interceptions. And then I think he had two more last season. Um, you know, so it's starting to look like that seven interception year was, you know, maybe his peak. Maybe it was a fluke. I don't know. The guy's talented it's just been a tough year so far. And, and, you know, that could have to do with, you know, uh, Mike Davis talked about it today on the call. He said something about um, how he doesn't think the coverage pass rush um, combination is clicking where like the, the defensive backs aren't able to take advantage of the pass rush when they get their job done and vice versa. And I think that's something that was very evident in the 17 and 18 seasons where this team found success. Right. And, and, you know, one of the things is in 18, they had a guy named Derwin James who could do a bunch of different things and impact the defense from a variety of roles. And in 17, I don't even know what happened. I look back at that defense and that was pre Derwin James. And um, but somehow, man, they came out and, and they won a bunch of games after starting 0-4. So, like, we know it can happen. Um, but unfortunately, before that, any sort of thing like that can happen, this defense does need to play better. Um, for the sake of time, uh, we'll just stick with that as far as our, our bi-week awards. I think that's pretty solid. We were going to go into the most surprising. I think that would be Justin Herbert. So for the sake of being redundant, um, we're going to go on and just start previewing this, this Jags game. And I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is a game I've been waiting for for about a month now because I knew it was going to be the first softer game on the schedule after again facing the Chiefs the Saints, the Buccaneers, you know, out of four straight games. So uh, this is a big deal. It's a big deal because this is potentially their first win in SoFi. It's potentially their first win with Justin Herbert as the starting quarterback. They've got a soft defense. The defense allows 414 yards of offense against them. That's 28th in the NFL. And their offense uh, is also a bottom tier unit. They only, um, they go for 351 yards per game. They only score 20.8 points per game. I mean, that is a respectable clip, but they also allow over 30 points per game against them, which is eighth most in the NFL. 
Uh, leading passers, obviously, Gardner Minshew. He's thrown for just under 1,700 yards. They've got a UDFA at running back, James Robinson, out of Illinois State. He's sitting there with 362 yards rushing. And their leading receiver is Keelan Cole, who coincidentally, and this is weird, also has 362 yards, but this time receiving. Um, they've got athletic receivers, uh, Chris Conley, DJ Chark. Um, Tyler Eifert's a Jaguar now. I'm not sure he's doing too much, but that's still you know somewhat of a notable name. Uh, offensive line hasn't been too great. Um, I like this matchup because, again, if, if they're able to get Melvin Ingram, Justin Jones back, have those bodies along the defensive line, uh, they can take advantage of an offensive line that is struggling. I believe Cam Robinson, their left tackle, has allowed 14 pressures through um, five, six games, which is, you know, fine and respectable. But you look at Jawan Taylor on the other side, he allows a team high 24 pressures so far this season. And I think that is also the side that Joy Bosa lines up the most. And last season, if you look at that game where Chargers won 45 to 10 in Jacksonville, Joy Bosa had a field day at a pair of sacks actually against uh, Gardner Minshew, one of them coming against Cam Robinson. So they look good. This is a matchup where I think the Chargers are on top kind of across the board, right? Um, Herbert's going to have his plethora of offensive weapons aside from, from Eckler. Uh, it's a soft defensive line, defensive front for the Jags. Expect the Chargers to run the ball a little bit more. Um, I like you a lot. Uh, Vino, just give us your thoughts and, and uh, why you like this game against the Jaguars. I don't think we'll beat them by 35 points like we did last year, but I think that the Chargers should win. Um, the Jaguars started off hot in the season opener um, against the Titans. I believe that's who it was. Was it the Titans in the season opener? Yes. Yes. Where or Roger actually, Minch, no, it was the Colts. It was the Colts. They beat Phillip Rivers. It, they built. They beat Phillip Rivers. Um, I wasn't sure, but regardless, uh, Minshew looked solid for the first two games, and everyone was like saying, you know, he's always going to break out. But ever since then, um, it seems like he's went downhill and it just kind of just goes to show, uh, through his play. When you look at his stats, he's sixth in the NFL with 1,682 passing yards tied for eighth with 11 touchdowns, but, uh, five of those eight touchdowns, um, he's thrown since week one have come with the Jaguars down double digits. Um, and he's turned the ball five, over eight times, five of which were interceptions. Um, the thing with Minshew is when you watch him play, he just doesn't look like he's going to be a steady NFL starter just because he struggled to throw receivers down the field and in tight coverage. And just like when he's dealing with uh, not even pressure, he's just like, um, we'll just leave the pocket early. And I think that's what's kind of um, attributed to some of the sacks that quote unquote, the Jaguars offensive line has given up. So he just looks uh, confused out there. He just hasn't, we thought he had it together, but, you can kind of just like see why he was more of just like a uh, long-term backup and he may not be ready for that stage in the long-term. Um, and again, it all starts right there too. And sure the, the passing offense looks good on paper, but he can't even get it to his receivers. So this might be a good opportunity for the, the defense, especially the, the coverage to, to step up. Um, and then on the other side, they've been poor against the pass as well. The Jaguars have given up uh, 293.8 yards of offense in each of their last three games um, against the teams like the Bengals, Texans, and Lions. So this could be another big game for uh, for Justin Herbert. And then defensively for the um, Jaguars, particularly, just like kind of going over like the, the players, they're, they're pretty beat up. You know, just like the Chargers and they're missing key players or they were uh, last year or I'm sorry, last week 
like Miles Jack, um, Josh Allen, Avery Jones, and safety Jared Wilson. So they're all questionable going to this week. So if you know a few of those, not all are going into the game and they're missing, it could be a big game, both um, passing and rushing for the Chargers. So I don't see how the Chargers don't win this game, but um, if they don't, there's got to be some some internal questions for sure um, as to what they're going to do with just like the personnel change. But this is like should be an easy win for the Chargers. And um, again, this would probably be a good time for for predictions for me with this game. And I see the Chargers putting up more than thirty, so I'll go thirty-one to seventeen for the for the Chargers in this game. 31-17. I think I saw that score somewhere else. So that's really <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea whatsoever. Yeah, um, I think you're right. This is um, as we kind of mentioned earlier, it could be a get right game. Um, but when I look at their their depth chart, I see the Chargers potentially getting their pass rush going and their running game going. So they're two big things. Um, and if they're able to do both of those things, I think this is yes, an easy win for the Chargers. Um, I don't know if I could give them that much of a, uh, a lead. Um, or at least, uh, you know, the cushion for the final score, just because again, and until they prove me otherwise, I, they may struggle to close this game out. Uh, I really don't know. Um, I want to say, I, I'd like to think they score over 30 as well. So I like your 31, but I'm going to give this probably closer to a 31 24, um, score just to kind of like be safe with me because I don't want to again say, Oh yeah, they're going to, they're going to handle the Jags, right? Like there's no reason why they shouldn't handle the Jags. They're going to win by double digits, whatever. I just, in my heart, I can't feel confident in doing that. So I'm going to go with 31-24, uh, make it a, like potentially a one-score game um, because obviously they always are one-score games this season. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone, that's it for today's show. Uh, the, our interview actually with Gavino got abruptly interrupted because for whatever reason, uh, I was using Zoom to record this interview and it decided to cut us off the recording just when we were about to start talking about Big Ten prospects. So that's a huge bummer, unfortunately. That is something we'll probably bring to you guys potentially next week as well. Um, But other than that, really hope you enjoyed uh, the Bi-Week Awards. Hope you guys enjoyed our Jaguars preview. If you don't already, again, social media. Follow me at Zone Tracks. That's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. Over at BoltsFromTheBlue.com as well. That's where we have all of our Los Angeles Chargers uh, content and... um, Guys, it's, it's almost game day, man. It's been a long two weeks, and, and hopefully, again, this is a get-right game for the Chargers. I, I would like them to win by double digits. I just don't know if that's going to be the case. We'll see. I'm obviously hoping for the best. So with that being said, guys, as always, I appreciate all the love, and I'll talk to you guys later this week.